Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Later this hour, I want to get into more of uh, those numbers I, I mentioned last hour. Seven in ten Americans say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and some other dark numbers about people's finances. And we'll discuss all that later this hour. It's it's a problem. And not in the way that, like, the Washington Post would present it as a problem. Right, right. Also, I want to return to the American citizen who've, who's renounced her citizenship, gone over to the communist Chinese and is competing for them in the ski flying around, and we're all supposed to be in love with her. We're all supposed to be just completely fascinated by her. I'm disgusted by the whole thing, and I hope she stays in China. Whoa. More on that to come. I'll absolutely stand by that. I'm not getting sucked into her marketing machine. She's chosen her side. She's made her bed. She can lie in it. Plus, I want to talk about the uh, the big Canadian truckers uh, protest thing. I'm a little confused at trying to figure out what that is. You know, as always, in the modern world, wading through news coverage... Okay, who's being too much this direction? Who's being too much that direction as to what what actually is going on there? Right. It is hard to get an, an accurate, picture, accurate picture of it from media because they're so incredibly biased. Um, I also think the thing is useful in that it's a good illustration, or I think the way you look at it is a good illustration of the different difference between a true conservative and and a lot of lefties who tend to look at everything emotionally. I'll just I'll I'll explain what I mean then I don't know we can we can decide if we want to play some of the clips and talk about it more now or later but virtually everything from a lefty point of view is emotionalism like the uh the post George Floyd riots arson looting insanity it was all justified because people really felt that they were really angry how can you condemn them if they were really angry well, I can condemn them. They're rioters. They're, they're burning and looting. They're committing, committing multiple felonies. We have law enforcement that's not standing up for the people. We have government that is backing down in fear from, from riotous criminal mobs. And it's not right. Well, in the trucker protest, I'll give you my take. Initially, the protest was about any trucker who crossed the border had to prove their vaccination. Otherwise, they couldn't work as a trans-border trucker, which is an enormous part of Canadian the Canadian economy and trucking, uh, because we're uh, by far their biggest customer. Bringing us our syrup and our hockey pucks, eh? Right. And, Got a uh, truckload of hockey pucks. And so truckers, including those who had natural immunity, were saying, no, I'm not going to have that little wuss, uh, Trudeau, tell me I've got to get the jab. I don't want the jab. And as always, Jack and I, we both been vaccinated, boosted, et cetera. We're in favor of it. We think you should get it too. But I'm not going to make, I'm not going to use the government to, to order you to get the jab, especially if you have to have natural immunity. What the hell do I care? So anyway, the truckers were initially pissed off about that. But the thing has grown and grown because there are so many Canadians who are so pissed off about all the government overreach during the time of COVID. And I certainly sympathize with them 100%. They're right. They should be pissed. The rights have been taken away. The government is uh, uh, policies are, are indefensible in terms of the science in so many ways, including, as always, masks on the little kids. So you got so many cars and trucks and everything there in Ottawa that they can't function as a city right now. Right. Here's the difference between me and a, a progressive. They are 
honking the horns all day long. There are some who are saying they honk them 24 hours a day. That is a lie. That's not true, or at least it hasn't been true. Uh, but the, the NPR was reporting they honk 24 hours a day, according to some councilman in Ottawa, even though I've heard specifically that's not true. But anyway, here's the difference. I'm firmly 100% in sympathy with what they're protesting and, and, and what they're about. And those reports on, oh, you know what? Here, go ahead. I, and my ultimate point is coming up, but I, I think this will help make it even more. I'm scanning the list. Uh, there it is. Uh, here is Justin Trudeau, the idiot prime minister, clip, <laughs> clip 47. Individuals are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. The people of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. They don't deserve to be confronted with the inherent violence of a swastika flying on a street corner. Or a Confederate flag. Justin Trudeau reporting from a toilet bowl, apparently, <laughs> as he is in hiding. Uh, but the whole swastikas and Confederate flag thing, there have been a couple, and the righteous people of the protests immediately say, get out of here unless you want your teeth caved in, because those are people trying to discredit them. And the truckers and protesters know them. That is so freaking phony. It is so false flaggy. It's ridiculous. Well, that's a that's a good one. Who, who, whoever came up with that, whether it was Russia, China, Antifa, whoever, that whenever there's one of these things, d- discredit anybody on the right, get there with a Confederate flag, walk around with it. All you got to have is one for one hour on a TV camera, and that is then for the Hell, rest one minute for the rest of that protest. It will be there were Confederate flags there, right? Exactly. Well, and you know what a huge role Canada played in the Confederacy, Jack, and how popular that is. I mean, WTF, folks, really? I also, Tucker was making this argument, maybe you were, you were about to, this argument that people aren't able to go to school or run their businesses. Yeah, that's what was going the whole freaking shutdown. <laughs> you didn't that's seem to why mind. they're pissed. You didn't seem to mind when businesses weren't open and people couldn't go to school during the shutdown, but now the truckers are protesting south, so it's a big deal. Okay, I get you. Right, so yeah, it's a, you can't possibly allow businesses to be shut down. Here's the difference between me, though, and a progressive. So these people who I have enormous sympathy Closed for... Closed-toed shoes. That's one of the biggest differences. Well, that is one of them. It's not what I was driving at, though. I have a great deal of sympathy, and I agree with virtually everything the protesters, the mainstream of the protesters, are talking about. On the other hand, they are engaging in civil disobedience. They are violating the law. They are violating all sorts of uh, ordinances, from noise ordinance to blocking uh, sidewalks to blocking streets that, and the rest of it. There will be repercussions for them. And if they are willing to take those repercussions, uh, fines, arrests, etc., then they will take them. Uh, and I understand 100% the people, the businesses, and even the government of Ottawa saying this can't go on permanently. I agree with them. But what I'm watching is to what extent are the righteous protesters willing to take those repercussions? Because that is the true measure of the outrage of those people. And if they're willing to, while committing no acts of violence, not burning anything, not looting a single effing Target store, by the way, if they're willing to endure the the difficulties of their protest, that is a brilliant measure of how serious they are about the issues. 
and the Canadian government is going to have to pay heed. And I would say, quoting uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr., if any of the protesters, uh, protesters are listening, to the extent you can remain lawful, peaceful, good-natured, and loyal Canadians, that is how successful your movement will be. Give them nothing to discredit you. Nothing. And they will have to hear your voice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that the, the evildoers of the world have just done such a good job of figuring out how to discredit these movements, to get in there. And it do, like we were just talking about, it doesn't take much. Get a Confederate flag in there, you know, yell some N-bombs with a trucker hat on, whatever you can do to discredit it. And uh, with the help of the media, it will change the look the average person who's just kind of paying attention have as of the whole thing. Yeah, the the truckers could come together and cure cancer this afternoon, and NPR would mention the swastikas and uh, a swastika and a Confederate flag. Oh, and and one person reported seeing a flyer with anti-Jewish messages. All of a sudden, this gigantic protest of thousands and thousands of Canada's Canadians rather is defined somehow by the lunatics at NPR. It seems I don't know. I don't. It might be racist. It might be anti-Semite. It might be Klansmen. I don't know. You people are out of your freaking minds. By the way, the same media that uh, was perfectly okay with Chaz in Seattle for how long it lasted, hundred percent fine with it, disrupting all of downtown Seattle. You can't do that to these businesses in Ottawa and the schools. And what about the children? So much of the outrage is so fake. It's so performative. It's like uh, it's it's straight out of the same pages. It's come out that Joe Biden in various hearings in the 80s in the in the Senate used the N-bomb over and over and over again, over and over again. Nobody's talking about it whatsoever. Not even to explain why that's okay. While Joe Rogan is is a a Satan among us who must be uh, you know cast into eternity or whatever, they're not even bringing it up. Their outrage is so fake. Gina Carano, career over. Well, at least hurt. Roseanne Barr, career over. Whoopi Goldberg gets two weeks for reflection. Okay, the outrage is fake. It's one hundred percent a weapon. Tell them no. Have them talk to the hand. Give them the middle finger. It's fake. A quick breaking news for you this. China said Tuesday, today, not long ago, that it would take powerful countermeasures after the Biden administration announced an arms sale to Taiwan. The second since Biden took office a year ago. So Biden announced arms sales to Taiwan. China says powerful countermeasures. I don't know if in diplomatic speak that is something that gets your attention or not, but. I've got to give the Biden administration credit for being reasonably strong uh, on China. I mean, I'll criticize them all week long. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, But they've gotten a lot right there. So uh, how are Americans feeling about the economy and their own personal economy and their situation? And what does that mean for the future of uh, any of our policies we've got? All that is on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. San Francisco Bay Area, where they got a terrible homeless problem, is asking people to open up their homes to help house the unhomed. Uh, no. Thanks for asking. 
This is something that some people can do when they just feel the despair of, oh my gosh, I can't stand seeing these poor people on the streets near my home. They are having trouble finding people who are willing to do that, they say, though. <laughs> oh, that's precious. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Really? It says here in this article, written written without, like, irony or a, or a wink or anything like that. This is in the San Jose Mercury News from Marissa Kendall, who I'm sure is a very nice person who cares a lot about people. It's hard to find owners willing to take a chance on someone down in their luck. At least one recent program ended because of a lack of landlord interest, as people who are willing to have a homeless person just come stay in their bedroom. Uh, dear, it's because they're probably a tweaker. No, I don't want a meth addict in my home. Do you? Ermagerd. Yeah, I know. So Somebody like that. Somebody like that. Perfect case. How do you describe them? I mean, she's obviously gifted with the language, so to call her stupid is not... No, so I was going to incredibly I, I, lacking in perspective. I think it's the so I was going to lead into this this story with the financial statistics. Okay, fair enough. I it's the old conflict divisions thing that we talk about all the time. That you, you, there's two different ways to see the world, and we just so if I hear about somebody who's upside down financially, paycheck to paycheck, my first thought always is my my first thought always is how did you end up in that situation? And for half of America or more, your first thought is, oh, that's awful that that has happened to you. You know, something happened to you. Mm-hmm. Whereas my first thought is always, and it's not always borne out to be correct, but my first thought is always, what did you do to end up in that situation? And I think you, you're either one or the other. Or, you know, and or what are you going to do about it now? So hard time. Seven in ten Americans say they're living paycheck to paycheck. My first thought is, well, okay, how much do you make? How much do you spend? How do you end up with this situation where you're paycheck to paycheck? Not not the immediate conclusion that some people have of, well, we've got to make radical changes the way we structure society. That is, the, the, this can't stand. What? And no wonder we don't see eye to eye on these things or can't craft legislation we agree on. Because it's a completely different way of looking at things. Right, yeah. Um, Some more statistics in there. Uh, 63% don't see themselves reaching a level of financial security that will allow them to live the lifestyle they want. Okay. Um, Neither do I. And I do pretty well. The lifestyle I want? Yeah, what do you mean by want? I mean, like that's awfully vague. Any reasonable person should want what I would like. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's a huge difference, right? I want a house on both coasts, one in the middle, and a membership at six prestigious golf clubs. So you pick any of these. And a private jet to go to and fro. You pick any of these 63%, and then I would, I would want to drill down. Including me, by the way. Because I don't have everything I'd like to have or could have or um, if things were different. Um, okay, so what is what is your what are your skills? What is your education? Okay, so how do you see yourself? And then what are the things that you would like to have? Okay, how many people with your skills and education do you think have the yacht and the house on each coast or whatever it is that you're wanting to have? Mm-hmm. Well, let's live in the real world here. And or what uh, can you do to alter your trajectory so you get to your goals? Yeah, I don't know. I find it just interesting. 
Um, I know how some people would respond to this. 79% of Americans earning over $150,000. So if you're in over $150,000, about 80% say savings is very important. But people making between sixty dollars and $90,000, a much smaller percentage, down to half of those say savings is important. Wow, really intriguing, intriguing results there. So is that because the people making less money have less disposable income, therefore it's not a... Uh, a priority for them, or is that, and I'm not saying it is, but it's worth asking the question, or is that folks who are better at planning and developing skills and careers and that sort of thing, and therefore they make more money, are they the sort of person who would also better appreciate how important it is to save? It's like smokers get divorced more. It's not because they're smoking. The average American plans to start thinking about retirement at age 40. Planning for retirement. You know, that's that's not soon enough, but it's pretty good. It's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. But, yeah, earlier would be better. Put into your 401k when you're in your 20s with your first job. Which I have harangued my children to do, and, and they are not rich. Trust me. Oh, for 3. Anyway, 7 in 10 Americans say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Coming out of the greatest economy we've ever got, had and ever will have. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the pandemic. I wonder how much those numbers changed during the pandemic. I would like to know that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Our Joe Rogan mention of the hour. Seems like it needs to come up every... And I just came across a Wordle mention. Somebody has mentioned Wordle to me every day for like three weeks straight. I don't even know what it is. It's fun. It's It's a word game. Here's our Joe Rogan mention. TMZ reporting this. Oh, excuse me. I burped. I don't know if I've ever burped on the air. I don't believe you have. This This is unprecedented. I've made all kinds of weird noises, but not that one. Al Sharpton believes Joe Rogan is sincere, but... He'd like to see some actions behind the words to show true penance. <laughs> Whatever the hell that Hilarious. means. And then I've got two clickbaits from the New York Post. These are good. Both of them are good. One of them I would click on. One of them I wouldn't. I wouldn't click on <laughs> best compression socks of 2022. <laughs> I wouldn't click on that one. No. But I would click on this. Man discovers long-lost brother while watching the weather forecast. I'm curious. Got to admit. Got to admit. I'm curious. I might click on that. Must have been like a a man on the street thing or something. Wait a second. Is that my old brother Jim? But did you think I've never seen snow like this. I mean, it doesn't snow but once a year here. Wait a minute. Jim. (laughs) But how did you lose track of Jim? Maybe Jim didn't like Ed. I don't know. I'm going to actually click on that story. Wow. Okay. Not the compression compression socks. Tell you what, I'm not clicking on any damn story trying to convince me to fall in love with one Eileen Goo. This is the gal. If you watched the the Olympics last night from uh, Mike What's-His-Face in the introduction. Tariqov. 
Tarico, Mike Tarico, to the actual event announcers, trying to get us to fall in love with international superstar Eileen Gu. Oh, she's got models, good looks. She was born and raised in America, but is competing for the Chinese because she's so cultured. She's so international. She plays piano. She speaks Mandarin. She's a hot girl. Oh, worship her. Why would anybody be excited at all that an American has decided to compete for the communists? The most evil regime on earth. I don't understand the premise of it as a feel-good story. And Mike Tarico just gushing over it in the introduction didn't even pay tribute to the controversial element of a young woman renouncing her U.S. citizenship to compete for the communist Chinese. Now, we got an email or two. Joe, uh, I don't, I haven't read that she renounced her citizenship. She is a product and a super savvy one. Okay. Hot chick, great at her sport with a potential double market of the free world and China. She's already a huge presence in advertising, endorsements, that sort of thing in China. Chinese girls are all in love with her. She's making zillions of dollars. What sport is this? She's a, a ski, a freestyle skiing where you jump up and you do a, you oh, know, okay. like four spins and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and she's really good at it. Um, and I will admit, she's a very impressive human being in a lot of ways. Very smart. She's going to go to Stanford. Where I wonder which way her loyalties will lie while she's at Stanford. Anyway, uh, but she is yeah, competing that's the for obvious, China. That's the obvious question. You're competing for the communist Chinese team. Where are your loyalties? Mike Tarico himself referenced genocide in the opening ceremonies, okay? Right. This matters. This is not like if she's competing for Italy. Right. You you wouldn't say where are your loyalties. I don't care if you feel more Italian than American or whatever. That or doesn't make you could make the Italian team and you can't make the American team and your granddad came from Italy. Go, go ski. Have fun. But yeah, this is the communist Chinese. She's competing for the Chinese. To compete for the Chinese, you must hold a Chinese passport. And China has zero programs for dual citizenship. You must be a Chinese citizen to hold a Chinese passport. Initially, a, a year ago, I can't remember the timetable, and it doesn't matter, her sponsor, Red Bull, had in a press release or something that she had become a Chinese citizen. That was quickly removed from the article because they knew how that looked. But so she is being pitched to us as some international goddess of something or other. And again, how stupid are homo sapiens? She's got <laughs> widespread eyes. Wide set eyes and like and puffy, kissable lips. She's a hot chick. And so I'm supposed to forget that she's pledged her alliance to the Chinese communists in, in a cynical ploy to become sort of some sort of ginormous cross cultural brand name. F you, NBC, F you, Olympics, Miss Goo, stay in China. I wish you no ill will personally, but stay in China. Yeah, like I said, I don't get the premise of the feel-good story, so it's just it's confusing to me. I'm surprised that NBC feels like their viewers are going to think, "Oh, this is so heartwarming." You know, they they always try to come up with the 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 whatever you've overcome or some reason I'm supposed to root for you, but well, it's it's heartwarming if you're just the simplest of simpletons who hear the pitch that 
She bridges the divide between the U.S. and China. Raised no. in the United States by a Chinese mother and no, American father. that doesn't father. make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I know. You'd have to be truly stupid to fall for what NBC was pitching to the assembled tens of millions of people watching. And what a... Uh, yes, Michael. Do you think that NBC was pressured... To uh, report it that way by maybe the Chinese government? That wouldn't... I I certainly don't get the sense they're being pressured about anything. I don't think so. But what a PR get for China to be able to have her trotted out all over China is, look, our system is so much better. She left the U.S. to be on our team because our system is better. And she's gold medal good, too. I mean, she's not some... like uh, there, are, there are a couple of skaters, I guess, and a, a couple of hockey players, Americans, that are now competing for the Chinese. And to hell with all of them, too. But at least you could say, look, they're giving me temporary citizenship. I can't make the American team. I live to play hockey. They made me an offer. I thought it might be interesting to see China. I didn't mean anything by it. If some, you know, some chump hockey player says that... You know, they're 20 years old. That wouldn't have flown like in the the, the 70s, somebody going to, to, I'm going to play for the Soviet Union because they said I could be on the team. That would have never worked. You're right. You're 100% right, and for good reason. Um, But this is not one of those cases. She's gold medal good. She's chosen to compete under the Chinese flag because she senses that her best market is China. You know, so uh, uh, I say to hell with you, stay in China. I say the same thing to all of the giant American corporations that are addicts. They are worse than a heroin addict addicted to Chinese cash in the Chinese market. Uh, You know, I was talking about this in real life to some friends uh, the other night. The story of the next 50 years is the United States of America and the free world kicking our China addiction. And there is going to be more puking, sweating, and wetting the bed than giving up heroin and meth and, and opioids combined. We are a junkie. Well, you really, it, you, know, you really held together that metaphor well. Thank you. I mean, you. like, yeah. Fully... You're going to have to change the sheets a lot. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, how many years? Fifty years, you said. That was just uh, you know, I just grabbed that out of thin air. I okay. suspect it'll transpire in some sort of timetable like that. It might be. Well, it depends. China takes Taiwan, uh, gets into a violent border dispute with India, and all of a sudden we're choosing sides around the globe. That could compress the timeline a great deal. Yeah, I'll try. This is what I talk about in real life, folks. This is why I have no friends. Yeah, good time. Good time at dinner. I know, I do that sort of stuff all the time, and I get looks from people like, oh, here he goes, buckle up. <laughs> Joe, we were talking about my landscaping in the backyard, but thank you for that contribution. Yeah, well, your landscaping won't matter. When we're at war with the power communists! <laughs> now pass the butter! <laughs> Dinner table events. How did this man discover his long-lost brother while watching the weather forecast? I'll pay that off next. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I don't really have... Uh, Instagram, I don't have Instagram or Twitter or any of that stuff. So like most of my daily life is like getting into cars and showing up to a set or I just like, if I'm off, I just either 
hang with my friends or my life's zero affected at all. I mean, like once in a while, someone will scream something at you or like, you know, it might be hard to get like Dunkin' Donuts. But other than that, it's pretty, it's pretty fine. It's not like, it's not awful. Like it could be way worse. <laughs> That's Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live talking about what it's like to date Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Said it doesn't have much effect on his life. How funny is that that he doesn't have Twitter or Instagram? And he's uh, dating maybe the most popular Instagram, Twitter follow in the world. She's certainly in the top couple. Yeah. Well, he, good for him. He has no interest. He's crazy enough without that. Yeah. Um. So I came across this story by accident on New York Post. The headline intrigued me. Man discovers long lost brother while watching the weather forecast. And it's kind of what you would guess. So he's watching KCRA 3 in Sacramento, California. And he sees a guy being interviewed about the upcoming snowfall. <laughs> and whoever it was a staple of local weather. Yeah. And whoever's interviewing uh, Eddie Waits says, Oh, we're talking with Eddie Waits. What do you think about the snowfall? I'll tell you what, I never seen snow like this in my life. And the dude watching TV said, Wait a second, what was his name? Same last name as him. And looked like him, and he said he really looks like my dad when my dad was that age. And he immediately like started calling and doing research and tried to figure out what was the guy and got a hold of him. And yep, they're brothers. <laughs> he didn't know he had a brother. Dad, and, and it doesn't explain that here, which you'd think oh, it explained. But, wait a minute, dad was Tom Catton allegedly. Yeah, or since they have the same last name, I don't know if it was Tom Catting or just previous marriage he never talked about, or previous kid he never talked about, or something like that. Sure. Um, yeah. How about that, though? You see somebody that I recognize, the eyes, the face shape, that same sure. last name. Hold on. This is getting a little weird. Yeah, that would be that would freak you out. I said, Eddie, I saw Eddie's features and he actually looked a lot like my dad in the eyes. I did my research, searched up his name, looked all I could. And now they hang out. It was an instantaneous chill at the all the way from my head, all the way down to my toes. I'll bet. I'll bet it was, yeah, on a level you can't even understand. Just genetically, you recognized your brother. At first, I thought, this is not possible. This is the guy who was talking about the weather. So the other guy watching TV had a relationship with Dad. The guy talking about the weather had never seen a picture of his dad, never knew his dad. Oh, So now brother has all these pictures and everything like that, all this information you'd be getting about your father, which I'm that sure... That does is, sound like Tom Catton. Which, which I'm sure is a combination of... Uh, I never met my father, never saw a picture of him in my life. I'm sure it's a com- combination of interesting, intriguing, and very painful. Um, yeah, although ultimately joyful, I'm hoping. Ultimately joyful? One would... Yeah. Wow, so now when I watch local news, they go to a uh, woman at the gas pump. What do you think of these prices? Is that my sister? It's so know. expensive. I don't know. It really is putting a crimp on the budget. I'll give her a good look-see. Mm, I wonder nope. if that's my sister. Could be my long-lost sister. So what's the movie that got all the Oscar nominations? Something about a dog? The Power of the Dog? The Power of a Dog. Power of dog, a dog Power. Air is... Bud. <laughs> <laughs> is it on uh, the Netflix or something? I'm probably... Damned if I know. Dune got the second most nominations. I wouldn't watch that with a knife to my throat. Um, wow, you hated the book that much. Oh, Well, there are plenty of movies that the relationship with the book is true. scanty at best. You ever read um, 
What's uh, the Tom Hanks eating the chocolate sitting on the bench? What was Forrest that? Gump. You ever read Forrest Gump? They're they're not even. I don't know how the one even became the other. I don't even know why that guy gets money for the movie. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sometimes that happens. Wow, just took a character and completely changed him and gave him different adventures. Why wouldn't you change the name at that point when you're so far from? Anyway, um, so I could like write a script called the autobiography of Ben Franklin, <laughs> and it's a rom-com <laughs> involving some Boston waiter and uh, and the rich woman who stumbles into his uh, hole in the wall trattoria, or a gritty crime drama. <laughs> um, and then uh, also on the list that I do want to watch is Don't Look Up, which has got Leonardo DiCaprio. And a whole bunch of other giant stars that I can't think of off the top of my head. And it's all about climate change. Except uh, this it's is a, a metaphor. It's a metaphor. This is a meteor. Leo DiCaprio is a scientist who discovers a meteor that's going to wipe out Earth. And, and he even meets with the president, who's Meryl Streep, and can't convince her to give a crap. And uh, so it's just like global warming, except I read something just yesterday that called into question a lot of the global warming stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I heard I have one friend who said essentially that. Yeah, it's just it's a global warming metaphor. It's exhausting. Blah, blah, blah. And another friend who said, yeah, there's a little bit, uh, but it's really funny. Yeah, I've heard a few because it's more that. about we're all caught up in entertaining ourselves and yeah. staring at screens and you can't get our attention for anything. It's been nominated for a ton of Oscars also. But um, uh, I yeah, I, what I read and it makes sense to me, if you just ignore that part of it, it's just a pretty, pretty entertaining movie. Leonardo DiCaprio's put on the weight, which is. Interesting to me because he was a um, his hunkiness was part of his appeal for a lot of his life, wasn't it? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Sex symbol. Sure. Yeah. That, that gal on a cruise ship fell in love with him like crazy. Or maybe he's like that. maybe he's like Russell Crowe. <laughs> maybe he's like Russell Crowe. He just doesn't care because generally sex symbols really try to hold on to their looks. Yeah, he's, uh, he is like Russell Crowe in that regard. You see him all the time now on the Internet uh, with his, his big old belt hanging out with some 23-year-old model. Yeah, he just doesn't care. And he yeah, doesn't have look, to care. I'll fly you to Saint-Tropez. We'll live like kings for a month, all right? I got a fat belly. You in or out? <laughs> well, I'm in. I'm in, you, Lenny. I'm in. think that's the way he presents it? Yeah, probably. I got a fat belly, but I'll slightly say, you in or out? And by the way, we're sleeping together whenever I want. You in or out? Absolutely. And off they go. Do not ask me why Rose didn't allow me to climb onto the board with her. <laughs> You you breathe a word of that, you're out. You understand? This hotel suite is that board. You ask me that question, I push you into the North Atlantic. You follow me? I say final, you say thoughts. Final. Final. Thoughts. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Mark. Fine, our fantastic technical director, Michelangelo, in the in the control room. Michael, what's your final thought? I discovered a lost sister on my local news. They were doing a story on the postal service Saturday delivery, yay or nay, and there she was explaining the challenges of Saturday delivery. Ah, that's awesome! Hi, Glenda. Wow. Reunited. That's a beautiful story. Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes pr- producer, has a final thought. Alex? You know, I love Oscar nominations. I can speak nomination season. I've seen five of the nominees. I'm oh, really, really looking forward to seeing the sixth one this afternoon. I feel like a young Roger Ebert when I go see these nominees. What's your movies. favorite movie so far? I loved the West Side Story redo, but okay. I also really liked uh, King Richard. 
Yeah, I want to check that out, I think, of myself. Hmm. I don't know if Jack, I ever will, but I want to. Jack, final thought for us? Man, when you have younger children, that watching a movie is difficult. I mean, you're, you're busy all the time, and then if you ever get several hours, the idea of spending it watching a movie just seems kind of crazy. Um, well, that wasn't going to be my final thought. What was going to be my final thought? I don't remember. Oh, I, I think the One More Thing podcast is going to be really good today. we got a whole bunch of stuff. If you've never checked that out, check that out. We, we do another little bit of show after the show here in the next couple of minutes. And sometimes there are swears. So... Join us for that, won't you? My final thought is, I don't care if some damn skier has got the looks of Marilyn Monroe, plays piano like Chopin, speaks 50 languages, and can flap her arms and fly like a bird, NBC. She goes over to the communist Chinese. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I was I was feeling a little optimistic that we've woken up to what a threat China is, and that was a big step backwards last night in the Olympics. Still pretending they're not a rival. Absolutely idiotic. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up under the grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. If you ever miss a chunk of the show, we make it available via podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. It's actually one of the top something or other podcasts in America. Now, thank you very much for listening, whatever you do. Uh, Also, email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You gotta be kidding me. I said bye. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. So it's true. Point of personal privilege. What a stupid son of a bitch. So let's go out with a bang. Where's the best place to get milk this time of day, you think? You oh. live in a liberal town. Soak your cereal in Lib's tears. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Armstrong and Getty.